Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Sword and the Trowel. We're delighted to come to you from Cape Coral, Florida, and invite you into a conversation that Graham and I will have today as we review what took place in New Orleans at the 2023 Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, We talked previous to the convention about things we wanted to see happen, three things in particular. Two of those things happened, and plus there was a little bonus thing that happened, and we also review uh, the low light of the convention and uh, some of the the outworkings and the prospects for the future. So if you're interested in this, or if you know Southern Baptist pastors or leaders who might be interested in this, please pass it along to them. We want to be useful to them as well. We want to thank all of our Founders Alliance members because it is their support that enables us to put out podcasts like this and the other material that we are producing. So thanks for tuning in today. Welcome to the Sword and Trial podcast. The Sword and Trial is a podcast of Founders Ministries, and Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. I'm Graham Gundon. We're delighted to come to you today from sunny southwest Florida in the wake of the Southern Baptist Convention, which met in New Orleans last week, where uh, about eleven to 12,000 messengers came together for the purpose of conducting business with the Southern Baptist Convention of Churches. Graham, you sat this one out this year. I did. Um, and um, we Had missed you. Had a great you. week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we missed you there in New Orleans, and uh, God willing, next year we'll be back together at the convention in Indianapolis. But what we wanted to do today is just kind of debrief a little bit. Our elders have done this uh, a little bit already here at the church. And we had, uh, I think, nine messengers that went from our church and founders team was there. Uh, IOPT was there. And there were a lot of good things that happened. So we thought we'd just talk through some of that today and let people get our perspective on what took place last week in New Orleans. My question, Tom, um, what cafe did you and the secret cabal meet in? And do you still have the napkins? <laughs> Don't have the napkins. I didn't even make it to Cafe Dumont. Uh, wow. I can't say that of everyone on our team because there was a, a foray into the French Quarter to get the beignets there and uh, drink some coffee. But I, I was the recipient of the takeout. So oh, I, I did uh, actually get my fingers uh, white with uh, powdered <laughs> sugar. So that was, that was fun. And we enjoyed some uh, 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 nice meals, some shrimp and grits. I think mm. I ate one time too. But it was uh, overall, I, I think I walked away from this Southern Baptist Convention um, more hopeful than I have the last few maybe the last three or four at least. So, um, you know, I'm grateful for that because there were some good things that happened. We had not talked on a podcast prior to the convention about three things that we were very much concerned about seeing take place. And two of those three took place. Plus there was a bonus yeah. that nobody expected. The Lord is gracious. I know the God, God always does exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. So the one thing that didn't happen that I wish would have happened is that, uh, Mike Stone had been elected the president. Uh, when Mike was willing to let himself be nominated, he knew that he was running an uphill race mm-hmm. because of all kinds of things, not the least of which is just the custom that a president who fulfills his first term is usually just granted by common consent a second term. Now, that's not required. You do have to be elected to every one-year term as a president of the SBC, but you can serve two terms, one back-to-back to, back to back 
to each other. And in modern history, typically that's been done. It's not unprecedented to be challenged. And sometimes there's been some very close votes Mm -hmm. in those challenges. But since the conservative resurgence kind of gained a foothold in the mid 90s or so, we just haven't seen much of this. And so when Mike agreed to do that to let his name be put into contention for the presidency. He knew he was going uphill, but it gave him a platform to talk about concerns. And again, he wasn't out there slamming Bart Barber, who served the first year as president. He was just saying, I see things that are an existential threat to the convention. And Bart doesn't see it that way, Mm -hmm. but Mike does. And I think Mike's vision of what's going on and and what is facing us is, is clearer than Bart's. What are some of those major threats that uh, Mike has brought up? Yeah, well, it's it's the inroads of all of these false ideologies in the world. It just seems like the convention has uh, begun to play footsies with and open the door to various ideas, not the least of which is radical feminism. Mm. Now, the radical feminism that's making its way into the SBC isn't manifesting itself, uh, maybe I ought to say yet, the way that it is in the broader culture. Right. It can't. No. It wouldn't survive. No, it wouldn't at all because it'd be too obvious. But many of the arguments that have been made for women pastors, when you hear Rick Warren, who stood up on the floor of the convention and uh, made his impassioned appeal about how he'd been wrong and he repents to all the women that uh, he had um, not treated well and his misunderstanding and thinking that the Bible teaches that only qualified men can serve as pastors of churches. Well, what is that? Well, it's not exegesis. I mean, for Rick Warren to say for 53 years he misinterpreted the Bible and now there are three or four passages that he's come to see differently that that tell us, require us to have women pastors, including the Great Commission. Um, you know, how do you serve as an evangelical pastor and misinterpret the Great Commission for 53 years? Right. I mean, if that's true, you ought to sit down mm-hmm. and just be quiet for a while and uh, reevaluate everything uh, about your life and ministry if you've misunderstood that for 53 years. But the the arguments that he makes, they're not grounded in Scripture. They're, they're grounded in cultural sensitivities, and you can right. just almost hear the echoes of what's going on in the culture. And Mike recognizes that. Mike also recognizes that the concern, the good and right concern for uh, sex abuse in the ranks of our churches and organizations that we ought to root that out. We ought to have guardrails. We ought to care for people who have suffered, uh, wickedly suffered at the hands of abusers. Very often uh, where those cases exist, it's been because uh, there's been a, a, a trusted counselor, a trusted pastor, a trusted executive that has taken advantage of that trust in abusing usually women, but oftentimes or sometimes not just women. That that needs to be rooted out, needs to be exposed, and we need to handle those crimes as crimes and turn them over to the civil magistrate to do what God's called civil magistrates to do. Mike recognizes that the right concern about that that we've been talking about the last few years has been hijacked, Mm -hmm. again, by ideological forces that have nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ or the word of God and are really trying to uh, bring about a power play. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a whole movement just trying to deconstruct Western civilization of which the Church of Jesus Christ has served a pretty significant role in uh, perpetuating godliness and righteousness right. in the civil arena. And that there's a better way to handle these issues than the way that has been proposed. Certainly better than hiring a company 
that promotes LGBTQIA plus uh, ideologies in their marketing and saying we're allies, proud supporters, and right. now we're going to help you with your sex abuse issues. Yeah. Mike realizes that's bad. If you've got a perverted view of sexuality, how could you help one figure out their sex abuse issues? Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, there's just a number of things like that um, that he sees clearly that others don't see clearly. So I'm sorry that Mike wasn't elected president, but again, trust the Lord and what he's done there. And I do want to say that I think Bart moderated the meeting uh, well. He made mistakes and he owned his mistakes where he saw them. And there were things beyond his control that happened like failures of the microphone system on the floor at critical times. And again, it's not his fault that it happened. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the spirit from the platform was a thousand times better than it has been over the last few years. I've been there the last few years. <laughs> and um, the last few years, you come away just feeling so deflated and so um, looked down upon yeah. you know, from the platform. Yeah. And so it's, I'm glad to hear that that was not the case this year. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we've been called jerks from the platform. Uh, uh-huh. We've been scolded. And Very say, passively aggressive. <laughs> sometimes aggressively aggressive. You know, <laughs> if you cared as much about the gospel as you do about CRT, we'd already won this world of Christ. You know, I mean, people shaking their fingers at uh, the lowly messengers and all. There was none of that. And I credit Bart for that. I think Bart was genuinely... Uh, fair and wanting to be uh, balanced, wanting to be honest Mm -hmm. and just in the way he made his rulings. Even when he ruled against people that were very passionate about their position, you know, he did so with calmness and with trying to to explain why the ruling had to be this way. So uh, kudos Mm -hmm. to Bart and the team that helped him in moderating the meeting. That was good. Thank you for joining us for this conversation today as we recap the SBC 23. It's been a great conversation thus far. I wanted to remind you, as we normally do, about our upcoming Founders National Conference coming up next year, January 18th through the 20th. And it is the best theme that you could have for a conference, and it is Remembering Jesus Christ. So it'll be a conference on Christology. Every year is just incredibly encouraging, wonderful fellowship, wonderful time with uh, like-minded believers. Uh, Tom Askell will be there speaking, Conrad and Bayway. Joel Beakey, Phil Johnson, and Travis Allen will be our speakers for the conference uh, this year. We also are going to have Spanish translation there live at the conference and then also via live stream. So if Spanish is your first language and you'd like to listen to it using your first language, you can do that. Um, you can go to founders.org slash conference to register for the conference. And I also want to give a special shout out to our Founders Alliance members. The Lord has given us a lot of great work to do in the kingdom here at Founders between our publishing and our podcast and the many different things that we do. Um, And it's only possible through the Founders Alliance members. And I want to invite you to come on board with us. You can do so by going to um, press.founders.org slash fam in order to join the Founders Alliance membership. There are different levels that you can join and provide for us financially, either monthly or annually. And uh, we'd love to have you come on board and be a part of the team. The, the, the blight, the one blight that I could speak of, there were things that obviously disagree with that were said and done, but the convention sermon uh, was preached by Todd Unzicker, who's the executive director for the North Carolina Baptist Convention. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, yeah, that was just sad to me. It was a screed. 
Uh, he didn't deal with the text. Uh, he had a bunch of really funny one-liners, you know, mm-hmm. and he was taking shots at people. He took shots at founders, you know. Right. Uh, people have texted me, and, and they've uh, some have been very offended you know, on my behalf because they felt like uh, he was going after me directly. And, um, you know, I've got a history with Todd. We've communicated a lot since 2019. I knew him even years before that uh, when he was involved in ministry up in the panhandle of Florida. And there were some you know, challenges there that uh, I tried to help with. So, I've, you know, I've, I've known of him, known him for a long time. But it became apparent to me over the last few years that he and I just shouldn't even communicate anymore mm-hmm. because uh, we don't have the same standards of uh, how communication ought to he take place. He did find a way to communicate with you, though. Yeah. <laughs> From the pulpit at the SBC. One way, yeah, one way <laughs> communication. But I want to say, look, I'm not offended. I mean, it doesn't I'm, I'm a, it doesn't offend me, the things that he said. He referred to the cheaply made synodoc, uh-huh. and uh, so that has resulted in... What uh, is that synodoc? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, how many synodocs do you know of? I mean, that was, I think uh, Knox coined that language whenever we produced by what standard, the synodoc. And it was very uh, well known at the time, and still is. We we let we released it at the end of 2019. It's received um, upwards of half a million or so views. Uh, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of Blu-rays and DVDs that we have sent out. Uh, in fact, we ought to just we're going to start giving away. We're going to put a, a free CD in every order that you make for founders. If you buy anything from founders from now till end of July, let's just give them oh, wow. another CD. We'll put a free CD in there in the name of Todd Unziker. Thank you, Todd, <laughs> for this, for spreading this. In and fact, when he says CD, he means uh, oh, DVD <laughs> or Blu-ray, right? DVD, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, we're cassette tape, a four, an eight-track tape. We're going to send you. Yeah, we're going to send a DVD to you, not a CD. Um, but it's funny. I, I went and looked, and there the, the views on YouTube, it's on different platforms. But on YouTube, uh, the views have gone up since <laughs> Todd's sermon last week. And I read a couple of comments this morning. Um, let me read one of them to you. It said, this, this cheaply made synodoc, so you know you heard that at the convention, helped completely open my eyes to what was happening in evangelicalism. So grateful for Founders Ministries. And here's another one. Shout out to Todd Unzicker for reminding me that I needed to watch this documentary. It was excellent and prophetic, hitting all the right notes. Thank you to all who made it. So uh, anyway, we're grateful for that. God will use that for good. And I'm again, I'm sorry that he got so uh, nasty and so personal. And then what's odd, too, is a lot of the the uh, folks that have been on the platform that we you know we've referred to them in different ways leadership class or platform class or elitist class in the SBC were just praising the sermon oh this is wonderful this is great this is just what we need because well, what was the sermon was supposed to be all about like unity unity right? yeah that's right unity yeah. and diversity yeah except and for you guys that's right <laughs> quit being jerks yeah <laughs> kind of thing but uh, it, anyway on social media at least I haven't watched all of it and kept up with it but. Uh, it, a lot of folks have said, no, 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 you didn't listen to the same sermon mm. we listened to. So, again, that was unfortunate, but that's not uh, all that unusual. I'm glad that it wasn't, it didn't, per, that spirit didn't permeate the platform this year as it has in previous years. It's interesting, the, the greatest hindrance towards um, greater unity this year was that sermon. Yeah, isn't that interesting? <laughs> it, it really is interesting. But again, I, I was overall encouraged on, on uh, several fronts 
not the least of which was the fact that the convention stood strong and upheld the Credentials Committee rulings for the, there were five churches that were removed last year by the Credentials Committee mm-hmm. for being out of fellowship with Southern Baptist, not closely affiliated with Southern Baptist um, um, faith and practice. And Rick Warren petitioned in behalf of Saddleback, and there was Fern Creek, uh, their woman pastor in Louisville, petitioned, and then there was another man from another church who uh, petitioned in behalf of their church for a sex abuse issue, not for um, a woman pastors. But Rick Warren obviously was the most uh, anticipated speech. And one thing Bart did, rightly so, was say, look, messengers, you get three minutes. Robert's Rules of Order, you get three minutes. At three minutes, you'll get a tap on the shoulder. At three minutes and 10 seconds, your mic will go silent. And they did that. They did that for the nomination speeches on the platform, mm. and they did that on the floor. Now, last year in Anaheim, remember uh, Ed Litton. <laughs> what, did he get like six minutes or something? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Ed Litton sees uh, uh, Rick Warren. I don't even think Rick was a messenger. He didn't have the credentials or the, the badge on when he stood up to speak. But uh, Ed Litton just let him go as long as he wanted to. Mm. And so he spoke you know, six or six and a half minutes or so and got a standing ovation by many. Well, this year he's up there and he's giving his speech. And at three minutes he gets tapped on the shoulder. And at three minutes and ten seconds his mic goes silent and his lips are moving. Oh, man. and Bad, bad look. It's a very bad look. And, and praise God, that was right. Yeah. That was the right. And that happened not just to him. It happened to others. And so the vote was 88% to keep them removed, 12% that he swayed. It's pretty to, significant. Yeah, it's, it, a, pretty significant it's a very good vote. And I don't think that 12% is all people who want women pastors. Mm-hmm. I think it's other arguments, autonomy, you know, right. whatever type of thing. So I think there's a different way to interpret that than just, oh, man, we got 12% of our churches that want women pastors. I don't think that's true. But we do have, uh, Rick said, he's they in his research, they identified nearly 2,000 churches in the mm-hmm. SBC that have women pastors. Well, then American Reformer did a different study uh, taking some of that information, taking some of Mike Law's information that he compiled, and they concluded the same thing, that there are probably about 2,000 women yeah. pastors. And then the pastor of Fern Creek said she's been serving as a pastor in the Southern Baptist Convention for 35 years. Right. So, you know, when Nam gets up to say we don't have a problem with egalitarianism, when, when people get up to say we don't have an issue here when it comes to women pastors, right. I mean, it's just so false. It is really false. I, mean, I was with a group of pastors that met with some convention leaders in 2018, and they looked us in the eye and said, we do not have a problem with women pastors in the conventions and maybe 50 or so. And, uh, you know, so again, these things are being uncovered and rightly so. Uh, Mike, so that, that was one thing that we wanted to see happen. It happened. Uh, a third thing was Mike Law's amendment. Mike's a pastor in Virginia. We hope to have on the podcast uh, one day soon. And he began to notice women pastors in Southern Baptist churches around him. He called the executive committee and tried to figure out, you know, what, what, what do we do about this? How can we uh, address this? Because people see the list of Southern Baptist churches. They have some expectations of what those churches will stand for. And one of those is they won't have women pastors. And so he got stonewalled by the executive committee on multiple fronts. And he was made promises that weren't kept and tried to do things. And he just, he had to overcome hurdle after hurdle after hurdle to get his amendment that he made last year on the floor of convention at Anaheim to be brought out in Nashville mm-hmm. because there were multiple forces that didn't want that commit that amendment 
recommendation to be voted on. And his amendment is to the Constitution of the SBC to add a statement that uh, only qualified men can serve as pastors in any capacity in a Southern Baptist church. And so the executive committee bowing to the 2,300 pastors that Mike got signatures on his amendment to support, uh, they finally said, okay, we're going to bring it out, but we're not for it. And so this is really odd. I don't know if Mm. this has ever happened, that the executive committee brings out a motion that was submitted to the convention. The convention referred it to the executive committee. They were to dispose of it, and they probably, well, they didn't want to bring it out because when they brought it out, they said, we're bringing this out, but we think that it's bad, and you shouldn't vote for it. And the convention voted for it overwhelmingly. Mm. I think you have to have two-thirds vote and got way over two-thirds vote. Wow for that now that, that's that is a sign right there it, it is it's a sign of, of multiple things one praise god that we're all for what that amendment is, is uh advocating that's a good thing but it's also a sign of the disconnect between the executive committee elitists mm-hmm. and the churches right. that they are representing and i would hope that any of those who watch this or anybody who knows them that would send this to them would encourage them to stop and think how out of step are you with the churches of the SBC when you say you shouldn't vote for this and it overwhelmingly gets voted for. Yeah. Now, our Constitution is designed not to be changed hastily. So that's just step one. The fact we voted for it this year, it's got to be voted again next year before that amendment takes place and is inserted into the Constitution. So that's a good reason to show up in Indianapolis Mm -hmm. next year to vote for the second time to have this amendment uh, codified into our constitution. Yeah. Well, we have talked about our synodoc by what standard, uh, and it has been talked about at the Southern Baptist Convention, that cheaply made synodoc. Uh, there's been a wonderful benefit to so many, including myself, as we think about uh, evangelicalism and the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, we are giving that, uh, that synodoc away in every purchase from here until the end of July. You will receive a hard copy of By What Standard in your order. Uh, but we're not going to stop there. We wanted to do a special summer sale for all of you folks. And so we are going to be giving 25% off the entire Founders Store between now and July 4th, 25% off everything. I mean, you can load up your cart with uh, some of Renahan's new books and other things. You can get a Buy What Standard t-shirt. Make sure that you use the code BWS25, Buy What Standard BWS25 when you check out. And then there was a bonus that, that took place that nobody was really anticipating and that uh, is a blessing for sure, but could potentially be a double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah, what that's was, right. What happened? Yeah, I, I was debriefing with our team and some other uh, pastors on Wednesday night after the convention, and I brought this up. I said, you know, wasn't it, wasn't it interesting that we actually voted to change the Baptist faith and message? And the there was such an uncertainty about it. They said, no, we didn't do that. Did we do that? And I, I began to doubt myself. I said, well, I'm pretty sure we did that. But I, So we had to go and actually find it, and we did. And I, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but there was a motion made during the times of motions that we add the language elders and bishops to pastors in the article that says pastors are, the role of pastors is limited to men. So in two places in that article, elders 
uh, pastors and bishops are now those words, which the scripture uses interchangeably. Right. Those words are now part of the Baptist faith message. And so when it came time to vote, usually those kind of things get kicked to the executive committee. The executive committee comes, comes back the next year. No, we just decided, you know, it's not a good idea. That's what's happened. I mean, there's been several times that I can think of in recent history. Uh, Michelle Lindsay is, is one, I think, made a motion. Or, or no, it wasn't. It was uh, uh, Lewis Richardson's mother who did mm. this. Lewis is a pastor, pastor yeah. in Louisiana. And she just wanted to add and function, that the role and or the office and function of right. a pastor. And that got kicked to the executive committee and never came out. So the fact that this made it to the floor was odd. And the messengers looked at it and said, well, yeah, duh. you know, And they just voted for it. And so we changed our confession of faith in a not real thoughtful way, mm-hmm. but it's a good change. Mm-hmm. But it's bad because you don't want to change your confession that simply, quickly, easily. Yeah. So hopefully there are people who realize that, who both agree and disagree with the change. And I believe there will be a coming together to say, you know what, we need to make it harder to change our <laughs> confession of faith rather than just a simple majority vote on the floor of the convention yeah, Somebody it, see, it seems to me that it would be proper to have a measure like that, which we have for the Constitution, <laughs> that you have to have uh, two consecutive votes to change the Constitution. It seems like that would be proper for the confession y- as yeah, well. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that or something like that. So I'm sure that'll be mitigated and uh, remediated in the in the future going forward. Now, I heard that there was um, you know, J.D. Greer and the spirits of his ancestors all came to the mic at one time um, <laughs> to make a motion— uh, and it was quite the, uh, quite the pomp and circumstance as all those former presidents were there. So what, what was the motion that was made? Yeah, there, it, it's funny that the, like five of the former recent presidents of the SBC gathered around a microphone, you know, and people were taking pictures and, you know, folks were saying, are these the heads of the families or were what they? Is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they're trying to touch the, the hem of their garments. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what, what are they doing? And then James Merritt, uh, represented them and spoke and he made a motion that uh, there be a task force appointed by the president of the convention to study what it means to be closely aligned uh, with the SBC. And this is basically the motion that Adam Greenway uh, wanted last year in Anaheim that got shot down. Can you say, can we talk about Adam Greenway's uh, espresso maker? Well, we'll save that for later. Yeah, that'll be another (laughs) podcast perhaps, but... uh, I, I will say I think there were some people that went to Southwestern and asked if they could have an espresso, you know, at, at the at the booth in the in the convention hall. But anyway, this so this motion was made and it passed, and so I, I I'm sure Bar- Barbara will this year appoint a blue ribbon committee mm. to study this and bring back a recommendation. The concern that many have is that this is an end run around the Mike Law Amendment. And that's my concern, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the language that has been uh, put up on social media after the convention. Here's why we need this, because, you know, there are women saying there's no place for us in the convention and all. Uh, so I hope it'll get shot down. I hope whatever the committee comes up with, if it's anything different than what we have, uh, if they're trying to enlarge the understanding of that, that it will be shot down. But hopefully there will be a committee appointed and they'll just say, no, this you know, closely aligned means you got to agree about uh, only – Qualified men can serve as pastors in our churches. Uh, another thing that's happened in the aftermath is uh, people have accused Mike Law, this pastor out in Virginia, 
faithful mm. man. I've known Mike for years. He's a humble man. He doesn't seek the limelight, spotlight about anything. He wants to pastor his church, but he just got a burden for this. And when he got stonewalled, he started researching and began to do more and more and more and more and more. Put together this incredible amount of research, got other pastors to sign on to it, and has made a difference in mm-hmm. the direction of the SBC, God willing, if we do it again next year. Well, people have come after him now. In fact, he, he sent me a text uh, yesterday. He had waiting for him yesterday at church, his church, a bouquet of balloons with a little card, you know, and somebody had said, congratulations on cherry picking the Bible to uh, lead the SBC in the wrong direction. You know, when will you get out of the 20th century and get up with the 21st century? You know, just... Uh, just snarky kind of stuff. Well, I want to go back to the 14th century. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> let's go back to the first century. Um, so on- online, there's this uh, Beth Allison Barr. I think she's a professor at Baylor. And she's accused uh, Mike of doxing women because he, he got a list of women pastors. Now, Mike got all this stuff from public records. <laughs> I mean, he didn't hire an agency to go Wait a in. second. He publicized information about people? It, that was, it was public. previously seen? Oh, it was yeah. public. Yeah, oh, okay. So he took the websites of these churches that said, here's our woman pastor, and he just made a list of them. And now then they're all offended because people know, you know, that oh, he's telling folks that you know, this, this is who I am. This is who our church is. He drove traffic to our website. <laughs> it, it's, it's ludicrous. But anyhow, she's made this big string, you know, about, oh, how horrible he is. And of course, then Karen Swallow Pryor uh, jumps on board. And this is what she said, making a public list doxing and targeting women in churches with whom you have doctrinal disagreements is the opposite of both Baptist polity and godly male headship. It shouldn't take the women in laity to say so, but here we are. Isn't that a joke? Yeah. Well, that's the thing though. I mean, so much of that side of the convention they just rely upon emotional manipulation yeah, like that. Exactly. And it's silly. It it's is very so silly. silly. And Mike Kibone, who is a pastor in Oklahoma, right, who's yeah. part of the executive committee, who's a part of the sex abuse task force, he says to Karen, I couldn't find the right words. Thank you, Karen Pryor, for finding them for me. I'm thinking, come on, man. No, oh, it's so silly. This is ridiculous. It's so silly. I mean, this. so with all the good things that came out of New Orleans, we still have this. Mm-hmm. We still have wrong thinking. We still have virtue signaling. We still have those that are going to take something and make it into what it never is, has been, or could be, but they're going to convince folks that it is doxing just the right words. Mm-hmm. And they're going to buffalo a lot of people, and they're going to lead people astray. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, our elders have, have talked a little bit about this, but people have asked me, in New Orleans and since New Orleans. So you stayed in the convention, you stay in the convention. Well, look, we, we've stayed in to try to fight for what is right for a long time. And there are more reasons now to be hopeful about that. We need to get this amendment to the Constitution passed finally next year. And next year's an open election for president. And so hopefully we can get a man elected who sees the issues mm-hmm. more clearly and is willing to uh, address things more directly than perhaps Bart sees and has been willing to address. And that's a, that's a good thing. So I would encourage churches, man, if you stayed in thus far, I don't think anything happened in New Orleans that would cause you to say, yeah, this is just a bridge too far. Uh, final straw, we got to get out. There, you know, again, um, some unfortunate things happen, said and done. Mm-hmm. But you compare this convention to the last five or six, 
And I would say there's reasons to be hopeful. Maybe a little foothold has yeah. been gained. And, you know, our, our elders at our church have looked at, you know, the relation, our relationship with the SBC very clearly and open-eyed and very critically for mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of our elders seem to come away from this convention encouraged right. and saying, yeah, we can stick in here. We can fight. Um, and this, this is this was a good result, by and large, yeah. this year. Um, this is a situation, again, returning to the, the patient undergoing surgery. This is a surgery that was successful. Uh, we have to get the patient stable. Right. Patient, patient's not stable yet. We have to get the patient stable. But then even after that, we got to get the patient healthy. Healthy, that's right. And so there is a lot of work. There's still a lot of issues in the convention, uh, ecclesiastical issues, moral issues, philosophical and doctrinal issues all over the place. Right. Uh, But we got to take them one step by step. Yeah, and and don't be undone by the personal shots that were taken. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, so what? Uh, We we follow a master who was crucified. Right. So if you're going to get all uptight, because somebody said bad things about you, um, you're you're not thinking real well, and so I would just encourage all folks that feel that way to uh, to not let that deter you from the bigger issues, the bigger cause, and thinking rightly about these things. So that's kind of our wrap on the uh, SBC 23, and we thank God for all the good things that were done. The, the commissioning of more than 70 missionaries was moving, as it is always. You know, some of these go into countries that they couldn't disclose exactly where uh, they're going, and uh, listening to some of the stories of how God found these people and saved them and directed them into that course um, was good. Renewing friendships, relationships with folks was always good, and I did some of that as well. Uh, talking to people who are in strategic places of leadership in some of the SBC organizations and hearing them talk about the work they're doing and how they are contending for the faith and they are trying to be uh, wise and careful and loving in leading their realms, their their spheres of influence in biblical pathways. That's wonderfully encouraging as well. Uh, but as in anything in this fallen world, there's work to do. Mm. And so we don't give up. We just keep pressing on. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to The Sword and Trial. If this has been helpful to you, we'd appreciate it if you would pass this on to others and uh, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you typically use to listen to a podcast. And if we can help you in any way at Founders, it would be our joy to do so. Especially want to thank our Founders Alliance members for your regular support of this ministry. We could not do what we do apart from your support. So take care. God bless. We look forward to seeing you next time. Why are we here? What is the most important thing in the world? One of our greatest problems is is forgetting. We, We forget what God has done for us. We forget what God has taught us. We forget things that we have experienced. If we don't pause, if we don't think deeply, if we aren't reminded again and again and again, we forget. It strikes me pretty significantly in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. Why in the world would Paul tell a pastor to remember Christ? Well, he's not going to forget that Jesus Christ lived and that Jesus Christ taught, but he's going to forget the significance of Christ. Christ is ultimately our mission. The church is the body of Christ. 
a church has to focus on the supremacy of Christ because that's why we are the church. Christ is supreme overall. The church's great mission is to preach Christ. We're there to win souls. advance Christ's kingdom. The problem with the world is not that they don't agree with me. The problem is that they don't bow the knee to Christ. So that's why we're going to gather, to specifically, explicitly focus on the supremacy of Christ, to do our best to remind each other of the centrality of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the glory of Christ. So join us in Fort Myers, Florida, January 18th through 20th, 2024, as we focus on Jesus Christ. I hope to see you there.